0: I'm a part of an organization called Finish the Task. I'm wearing, I'm representing with the t-shirt there. And uh, and Finish the Task is a missions organization that is out of the House of Prayer in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, many of you may have heard of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, we also have one that is in Atlanta, Georgia that does 24-7 night and day worship and prayer. And I'm going to tell a little bit of that story because I believe that God is doing something in the earth and it's a convergence of the prayer and missions movement. And we've gotten to see a microcosm of that in our own community. And then I'll just share some stories about my own journey in missions. And then um, I'm gonna wrap up just talking a little bit about Adoniram Judson because he's one of the missionary heroes that my daughter and I, we regularly take a missionary biography and um, before COVID-19 hit, we would listen to it on the way to school. And then um, we've also taken some time during this uh, Corona crisis to listen to and continue to listen to missionary biographies. And Adoniram Judson is one of the ones that we listened to over the last few months. And I noted that uh, they were going to talk about the golden shores initiative immediately following my message. Is that correct, Jonathan, that at seven 30, we're going to hear from somebody regarding golden shores. That's right. Yeah. So I think this will tee, tee up that conversation beautifully because the golden shores initiative and what God is doing in Burma, uh, has deep spiritual roots reaching back to, all the way back to 1813, um, with one of the first uh, missionaries that was sent out of the United States, Adoniram Judson, um, and was directly connected to uh, New England and the Haystack Pur Meeting that uh, formed those those men who uh, prayed there in New England at the Haystack Pur Meeting, went on to form uh, the first missions board in North America and eventually sent Adoniram Judson. And so when you think about missions in America, Burma is one of the first places that we've touched as a nation. And I believe the heart of God longs to see the work that we began almost 200 years ago completed. So that's a little bit what the ground will cover over the next half hour. I love to just kind of share a roadmap of what I'm going to be sharing um, and then walk us through it. And if you guys could with me, I know you all have been engaging in prayer over this last hour. I'm really excited. My wife and I just got back from vacation on Saturday. And uh, I'm looking forward to being with you guys in the evening time. We're going to jump on probably nine Eastern and try and make it a commitment every evening to be on with you guys. Cause I really want to participate in the prayer that's happening in these calls. And I know it's, uh, I could tell that there was an anointing and something you all were entering into even as I jumped on a little bit before before I got to share. And so, but let me take a moment and, and pray with us now. And if we could all pray together and then I'll jump into some of the thoughts that I have. So Father, I thank you so much for getting to be a part of this unique gathering of people from across this nation and the nations, Lord. And I pray that in the next 25 minutes, we would hear from the Holy Spirit Lord, I submit my mouth to you, I submit my thoughts to you, submit every part of my being to you, to hear your voice, God, and then for us to each speak and learn and uh, create out of that place of connection to you. Lord, we desire right now ever more deeply in the depths of our being to be tied tightly to the person of the Holy Spirit, that we would be bound up with him, that his heart, his thoughts, his feelings, the person of the Holy Spirit would fill the entirety of our being. We surrender to you, Spirit of Christ, right now, and we ask you to fill us. We ask you to teach us. We ask you to whisper and speak to us in the depths of our souls. We ask you to stir us, Lord, for the fulfilling of the great commission, God, and we know that that only begins in prayer. So we ask, continue to anoint this conversation and to bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, what we do in Atlanta, as I mentioned before, is we do night and day worship and prayer. And if you look at Malachi 1 11, um, there is a, a yearning in the heart of God that incense would arise from every nation, that his name would be great through praise and through worship in every tribe, tongue, and people. And if you go to Revelation chapter seven, we see a glimpse of the cacophony of worship that occurs around the throne. And, and if you take a glimpse at Revelation, I believe it's chapter five. It's it that there were people that were purchased with the blood of Christ from every tribe, nation, people, language declaring, worthy are you. You've redeemed us to God from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every language. And we see that, in the end before the final return of Christ that there will be a martyr spirit in every tribe tongue people and language because the martyrs who stand before the throne of God it's recorded that they come from every nation under heaven but the sad reality is that at pr- at this present time you know we know from Matthew 24 that that this gospel of the kingdom we preach in every nation and then the end will come but at this present time if you consider John 316 God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that all who believe in Him could be saved, and that none would perish. You just consider the simplicity of that verse, and then consider the statistic that that world that God gave His Son for only uh, only two thirds of that world even knows His name. Literally, hundreds of thousands of Uh, literally thousands of people groups, billions of individuals, and close to 40% of the world has never had the opportunity to hear his name. Those very same ones that God so loved that he gave his son, only 60% has heard, and 40% now 2,000 years later remain unreached. And that's especially true among the hardest and darkest nations of the earth. And Many of you would be familiar with the 1040 window, that expression which describes the uh, 10 degrees latitude to 40 degrees latitude across North Africa, the Middle East and Central Asia. And the majority of the nations that fall within that window are the hardest and the darkest nations in the earth. And what our organization does is we seek to reach that 40% that has not yet had the opportunity to hear that exist among 7,000 unreached and unengaged people groups. And, you know, it's a startling thing to consider that of all the missionary dollars that are spent in the earth, if you were to take uh, $100 and say that that $100 represents all the missionary spending of the evangelical church in the West, you would have less than a penny would be spent among the hardest and darkest nations of the earth. Because so so many few are going there, so much less resources distributed there, and largely in part because of the difficulty of the cultures, the difficulty of the, the regions uh, that are oftentimes characterized by famine and warfare and strife. And so these are the remaining nations, the remaining 7,000, uh, and God's heart is yearning for us to reach those peoples. So I just want us to consider that. And you know Patrick Johnstone he says in Operation world, I thought this was a powerful quote that only in the 1990 s did we get even a reasonably complete list of the world's peoples for the first time we can see clearly what is left to be done. There are about twelve thousand ethnolinguistic people groups in the entire world, and about three thousand of these on average have one point two percent Christian populations, okay, so you have three thousand five hundred of the twelve thousand that have one point two percent or more and that leaves a massive group uh, that is that is entirely unreached and so we need to consider most of these least reached peoples are in the 1040 window and are religiously unsympathetic to christian mission that means that we have to go to these people with the gospel and it will be dangerous and costly. And that's what we do uh, with Finish the Task. And we believe that much like you have the infantry troops and you have the Air Force, that we go in to establish a beachhead and worship and prayer and establish prayer furnaces to clear the spiritual atmosphere over these regions, So that other organizations that have a a calling to evangelism and discipleship and church planting, we do the primary thing that we feel called to do, which is through establishing worship and prayer and a night and day covering of incense that we create space uh, in these hard to reach nations where uh, though we do discipleship, other ministries benefit from the reality of night and day worship and how that transforms the atmosphere. And so that's a big part of what we do. We're in five nations, um, uh, two in Africa, one in North Africa, one in East Africa, one nation in the Middle East, uh, soon to plant another location in the Middle East, as well as uh, one hopefully in Southeast Asia in the coming years. And we have about 40 missionaries that are a part of our company, a relatively young group of missionaries, and many of them have been with us the entirety of uh, Of the time organization has existed close to five years now and sending missionaries into predominantly muslim nations uh, amongst tribal peoples where the gospel has never been preached and also establishing beachheads in the spirit through night and day worship and prayer and so that's a little bit about what we do and i'm the domestic director and my wife and my family we were hoping to get to go to africa to one of our locations this summer for three months and then covid 19 hit and so I have four uh, beautiful children. They are two years old, five years old, six years old, and eight years old. And so that little family, my wife and I, and a, a dear friend of ours who's a, a college-age student who helps us with our, with our children, we were all gonna go together to Africa. But because of COVID-19, it's looking like uh, the nation we were going to is Kenya. It's looking less and less likely like the borders are going to be open. And so that's something you can pray for us for. But, um, Part of what's been amazing about this journey of preparation for Kenya, and we still hope that we're going to get to go, has been discipling my children and my family in the values of missions. And I just want to encourage us that, you know, we, we all believe in the first and greatest commandment, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Jesus also gave us the great commission, which is to go into all the earth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name, teaching them all the things he's commanded us and baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And I don't know about you, but one of the chief priorities for me as a father is to make sure that my children both understand the uh, greatest commandment that God has asked us to obey, to love the Lord, our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to find our own unique expressions of love. But as we go about doing that to also do the great commission, which is the assignment that God has given the church in the earth. And that is to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all of his commands. And the simplicity of those two ideas, um, how they get fleshed out, is one thing that I believe deeply is that we should be expressing those things not just in our neighborhoods, not just in the nations, but with particular attention to the people who have never had an opportunity to hear. And so I entreat you as intercessors, as people who are committed to ministry and missions, to people who would say, I want to take time and pray each evening in the days leading up to Pentecost, because I'm believing God for another revival and awakening, for us to remember the hardest and the darkest places, um, because I believe that's where the heart of God is, not just with the poor of the earth, but with the gospel poor. Uh, I have a dear friend who is part of our missions organization, and he says it this way, If you would imagine yourself uh, in a nation such as perhaps uh, Yemen, a country right now that is experiencing one of the worst civil wars and one of the worst famines, I have a a map of the nations, um, and it describes, it's from Every Home for Christ, and it describes the nation, the population, the percent Christian, and I think Yemen is something like 24 million with 0.02% Christian. There are whole swaths of the Middle East that when you get to those blocks of nations, you're looking at nations of tens of millions of people with less than 0.01, 0.02, 0.03% Christian. And it's it will stir your heart as an intercessor to look at these prayer maps and to uh, to find the place of tears for those who have literally had never had an opportunity to hear. And so let's consider the nation of Yemen right now, one of the most difficult places in the earth if you were a person that lived in that country imagine your mother and father likely have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel you don't know a single person who even attends a church you don't have anyone who has a written copy of the bible and you may not be able to locate a copy of the bible in your native language you don't have a friend that can come and physically convey the gospel to you you don't have a building you can go to to worship, you don't know uh, you don't know a family member or a friend that can even tell you where to find out the good news of the gospel. You are living uh, in complete gospel poverty, gospel desolation, um, without any opportunity to hear the good news. And if you contrast that to the typical Western experience where there's a church in every corner and there's Bibles in every hotel room, every bookstore, every grocery store, every CVS, it's hard for us to fathom the reality of how many, literally billions of people live around the earth with no opportunity to hear the gospel witness. And so I believe as we think about the greatest commandment and the great commission, that it only makes common sense that we should... Prioritize in our prayers, in our giving, and even in our going. The nations that have never had the opportunity in two thousand years of Christendom never had the opportunity to hear. And this was what burned in the heart of the student volunteer movement when they declared their watchword: the evangelization of of the entire earth in one generation. And though that group of pioneer missionaries in the early eighteen hundreds uh, weren't able to complete that mission, or the late eighteen hundreds rather weren't able to complete that mission in their generation. We are on the precipice of seeing it completed in mine or in my children's, and though it may be a multi-generational assignment that we're undertaking, um, we believe we all believe in the missional and the prayer world that uh, through united worship and prayer, 24/7 rising, through initiatives of things like the Golden Shores that we're going to be hearing about shortly that we are seeing unprecedented unity, intercession, and sending for the completion of the Great Commission in this generation. And this incredible story that is being told, we all have a part that we get to play in it in our generation. And I want to highlight one man who played the part this part dramatically in his own. And his name was Adniram Judson. He was one of the first missionaries. He was the first missionary to the nation of Burma. And he went in 1813. Uh, when Burma was a hostile and utterly unreached place. William Carey, who was the great pioneer missionary to India, told Judson um, not to actually go there because he thought it would be too difficult. Uh, But Judson went there with his 23-year-old wife of 17 months. He was 24 years old and worked there for 38 years until his death at age 61. And he only went in those uh, 24, um, excuse me, in those 38 years, he only went home to New England in a single trip. Uh, and that after having been in the nation 33 years. And so we just consider the price that he had to pay in his generation was, was immense. And though I don't have time to unpack the entirety of his, uh, of his story, I do want to just speak briefly about a letter that he wrote to uh, his fiance, because I think it beautifully encapsulates the heart that's required of the missionary. He was courting this woman, um, Anne Hazelton, and he declared his intention to become her suitor, but the problem was he knew he wanted to be an overseas missionary. And so he wrote to her father the following letter Said, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, and whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean to the fatal influence of the Southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in the hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, Brightened with the acclamations of praise, which shall resound to her savior from heathens saved through her means or from eternal, through her means from eternal woe and despair and despair. And what's remarkable is that considering the sobriety of that letter, her father amazingly said she could make up her own mind as to whether she wanted to marry Adoniram Judson or not. And what I love about this letter that shows the heart of the young 20-year-old Nairam as he prepared to depart to India and then on to Burma was that he had counted the cost. You know, recently I was reading one of the parables of Jesus and he says that um, who considers going out to make war with a king without counting whether he has enough soldiers to prevail? Who begins to build a building and construct it without first recognizing whether he has the materials and the finances to complete it? And Nairam Judson In his missional call has counted the cost and determined that it was worth his life worth the life of his uh, young uh, his young fiance and that he was willing to spend it all for the sake of zion for the sake of the glory of god and he embraced that and he uh, after many years on the field did lose his wife to disease on the field he also lost a second wife to disease and many children and As I was saying earlier, over his 38 years, he didn't return home once until after 33 years of being on the field. But the thing that was remarkable about this young 20 year old who embraced the cost to reach an unreached and unengaged people group um, was the remarkable impact that he left. And I'm gonna fast forward here in my notes and just read briefly to us about the impact of Adniram Judson. So when he arrived there, there was not one known Christian in that land of millions. There were no friends in the robber-infested, idolatry-infected, iniquity-filled land. There were no converts. It was to be six long, soul-crushing, heartbreaking years before the first decision for Christ was made. So six years he has to labor in that nation um, before he makes his first convert. The work progressed, though, and gospel power began to open blind eyes, break idolatry-shackled hearts. And on April 12th, 1850, at the age of 62, um, with many transformed converts, many who had come to Christ at the age of 62, Judson actually died. He had spent 38 years in Burma. he had waited six years for his first convert, but sometime after his death, a government survey recorded 210,000 Christians. One out of every 58 Burme- Burmans uh, w- had become a Christian from in his first six years, no converts, to the end of his life, after having labored there 38 years uh, at the age of, of 62. Um, there were over 210,000 converts. And still today, he translated the entirety of the Old Testament and the New Testament into Burmese. And still today, that the most common uh, Bible used in the nation of Burma is the translation that Adonai Judson completed close to 200 years ago. So just an incredible story. And what I want us to ponder, uh, after having shared this story, is though so much work was done in Aniram's life, and that was completed through his discipleship, through his life of intercession, through his willingness to suffer, was this reality that that though he suffered so much, there's still much work to be done. Even now, 200 years later, in the nation of Burma, there are tribes and peoples in that nation that are unreached and unengaged. It's still a predominantly Buddhist nation um, with large Muslim populations. And we can see nations like Burma, uh, like Indonesia, like Thailand, like China, like India, where you have unreached unengaged people. And I believe the Lord looks at the suffering of those first pioneer missionaries that took the gospel to those places for the very first time. And he invites us to remember their legacy and to consider, will we take up the torch ourselves in our generation and complete the work that they began. So as I read the story of Adoniram Judson and my daughter and I listened to his biography, I was just inspired to say, you know, how can we play our part in this great story that God is telling? Not just to carry first commandment love in our hearts, but to take that first commandment love in a great commissioned spirit to the hardest and the darkest nations in the earth. And so we're committed, and a couple practical things I want to invite, us to invite you to do. We're committed to a weekly time of prayer for the nations of the earth. Wednesday morning at our House of Prayer, we have a set at 10 a.m. We stream it online. If you go to the International House of Prayer's YouTube page, at International House of Prayer Atlanta, you can participate in that prayer meeting. We've been praying for the Golden Shores initiative, which you're just going to hear about in a moment, and praying for the nation of Myanmar and the nation of Burma. So we are committed to a vision for intercession, weekly intercession for the nations of the earth, especially the unreached and the unengaged. So firstly, prayer. The second practical thing is, is the scripture says that where your uh, treasure is, there your heart will be. If your heart, you want your heart to grow more for missions. Find a pioneer missions, uh, a family, a couple, that's working in a difficult place, an unreached, unengaged place. Take them up in intercession and begin to give to them. Financially, you'll find that your heart opens to some of these regions of the earth where there's little gospel activity taking place, your intercession will increase, and you'll be giving finances. To a place uh, that uh, by average in large part receives far less of the missionary spending than many of the other reached and engaged places in the earth so practically pray give and then prayerfully consider is there a way in which you can go yourself whether it's short term whether it's going to one of these hard nations on some kind of prayer journey whether it's going to do practical service for missionaries uh, that are there in the field and begin to ask God to open a door for you to contribute to a nation where uh, there is extreme gospel poverty. And so with those thoughts, I want to just pray for us, and I want to encourage us, let's begin to give our time in practical intercession, let's begin to give financially to those places in the earth that are the hardest and the darkest, and then let's consider, God, is there a way in which you could actually send me, whether short-term or long-term, to a nation where the people are unreached and unengaged? So Father, I thank you for this time that we've gotten to spend together. I thank you for a few reflections from the life of one of my missionary heroes, Anna Judson. And I pray that his example of being willing to be a sojourner and a pilgrim, to uh, suffer extraordinary things, the passing of many, uh, of several of his wives and his children, Lord, and that he, it wasn't something that surprised him, but as a young 20-year-old, he counted that cost and determined that he would spend his life for the nation's Uh, among people who had never had an opportunity to hear. Lord, we pray in like manner, God, that we would have the opportunity to take our families and our children, and we would be able to touch our feet to the shores of those nations that have never had the opportunity to hear. Lord, that when we look at nations like Yemen and Libya and Egypt, Lord, nations with uh, 1% or less Christian populations, Nations where there is no church building for people to congregate, where there is limited Bible access, and where many have had generations uh, that have never had the opportunity to hear. Lord, I pray our hearts would be broken, God, and you would begin to release, and that's my prayer even for us today, that you would begin to release a spirit of intercession upon us, Lord. That we would begin to groan inwardly, Lord, for those nations that are in turmoil, especially in the midst of COVID 19 where these nations are experiencing uh, greater distress and, and pressure and financial pressure and food scarcity and all manner of different issues that are even beyond our ability to comprehend. Lord, in the midst of this crisis, would you stir us in intercession? Lord, and would you give us grace to put feet to our prayers with our giving and with our going? And so even in this moment, I just ask you to agree with me, to agree and ask God to release open doors for you open doors that he would direct you to a missionary that he can, that you can fund that he would direct you to intercession for specific nations. That you would have an opportunity to go yourself Lord, we say, we're your servants. Here we are. Send us Lord. And let that final 40% have the opportunity to hear. Let those final 7,000 people groups have the opportunity to hear in our generation. Lord, But for the hardest and the darkest, we pray, God, let incense arise from every nation. We say all this with a hearty amen in Jesus' mighty name.